1: volume
4: boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel football season is here and there's no better place to get into the action than with FanDuel the app is safe secure and easy to use FanDuel always has exclusive offers when you win you'll get paid fast FanDuel has lots of ways to play like the spread money line over-unders team totals player props and so much more jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, combine multiple bets in the same game in a same game parlay and try out the same game parlay plus. So use promo code boxing and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season.
5: This is Boxing with Chris Mannix.
4: Somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this.
1: Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight
5: champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing.
4: When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, so how many rounds did you hit the bag today?
6: Ten. I've been hitting ten rounds a day. Every day for about almost going on a month.
4: Is this officially a comeback?
6: I'm ready. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, man, for 22 years that I was a professional, I've never stayed in shape when I was off camp, you know, and right now that I'm an older person, I train every day and I like it.
4: So you're announcing right now <clears throat> your comeback to boxing?
6: Absolutely not.
4: That I mean, sounds like
6: it. Unless, unless you know who.
4: Well, there are a couple of you know who's. Well, There's Jake Paul, which most people that listen to this podcast know. And there's Oscar De La Hoya, who you thought you were going to fight after winning the title hey, against listen. Forrest, and then life got in the way.
6: I'll go, I'll go from Jake Potter to De La Hoya. Easy money. The golden boy to the golden ticket.
4: I think it's the reverse, but the whatever. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I'm not just saying that. I started taking AG1 because it is exactly what I need when I wake up in the morning and need that little push to get into the gym. It makes me feel great. It gets me through every one of these workouts. It benefits my lifestyle tremendously. It gives me more energy, better digestion. My mornings are so much better when I take AG1. It's the best option for easy, optimal nutrition out there. You can take one scoop of AG1, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All those things, really good, especially as you hit your 40s. Sustainable routines are key. AG1 is my daily micro habit that makes it easy to absorb key nutrients, lead a healthy lifestyle, and feel my best no matter what the day holds. One scoop, one minute, once a day, every day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Sergio Mora is here, uh, former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster. Um, I want to start this podcast, Sergio, with what we talked about last weekend, the Joe Joyce, Joseph Parker fight. Last weekend, Joyce, the 2016 Olympic silver medalist, he picked up his most impressive win as a pro, knocking out Joe Parker in the 11th round to win an interim version of one of the heavyweight titles. Joyce is now 15-0 and 0 with 14 wins coming by way of knockout. Sergio, how impressed were you with Joe Joyce's performance?
6: Very impressed. Very impressed. I mean, he knocked out uh, a former champion that only Anthony Joshua wasn't able what? to knock him out. Dillian White wasn't able to knock him out. I mean, it, it's really impressive for him to go straight forward and hunt him down because Parker was in the fight. He was boxing really nicely and and I knew that it wasn't going to go the distance. I mean, he just didn't have enough power and respect and size, but I mean, he fought a valiant, a valiant fight, uh, Parker did, uh, but it just goes to show you what kind of, you know, juggernaut you're dealing with. I mean, he's a beast. He cuts off the ring. He's imposing. He looks slow and hittable, but when you fall off balance, he catches you with that power. Guys like that, you don't want to miss against, let alone, you know, throw more than two punches. It's hard to beat a big George Foreman, you know, type like that. You got to outbox him and stick and move, and, oh, man, it it takes a lot.
4: It's the pressure that's the hardest thing to It's intimidating, man. I mean, he... He, and This was the biggest problem I thought Parker had. Like, Parker would throw some good combinations, he would land, and then he'd spin out, believing he would get three or four seconds to recover. But his, the second he kind of turned to face Joyce, he was right there in his face. And Parker eventually succumbed to all that. I, I was really impressed with Joyce. I, when Joyce came out of the Olympics in 2016, I was like, all right, well, this guy's okay, he's got some pop. Uh, But he's lumbering. You know, his jab isn't particularly sharp. I thought he had a ceiling to him. Now, you can certainly make the argument that Joyce is the second best heavyweight in all of boxing because Parker... I wouldn't go that far. Well, I mean, look, you can make the argument, I'm saying. I don't know that he is either. I think, you you know, Usyk certainly with three versions of the title. Joshua's still there. A more accomplished heavyweight. Wilder's still there. But he's now up there among the better fighters because, as you said, he did what... Andy Ruiz couldn't do, when Anthony Joshua couldn't do, what Dillian White couldn't do. He Jusora. knocked out Joe Joyce. just Chisora, <laughs> well, I'm do. not as as impressed by, but um, he he knocked this guy out. And look, you met, you said that Parker was boxing well early, and maybe the first round or second round he was. We get to that third round, and look, I bet on Parker. Like, I thought Parker was going to win. He was my pick for the upset. But by the third round, I'm like, oh shit, this is this is a problem. He's... He's not going to be able to keep this guy off of them. Just the relentless pressure of Joyce is just... And tango. I
6: don't know if you remember, uh, we did the, this uh, podcast and you asked me what I thought. And I said, I think a late-round stoppage. I don't think it crosses the finish line. It's going to be a late-round stoppage. And and sure enough, man, that's exactly what it was. But once again, we got to give Parker some credit. For him to be in with the heavyweight champions that he was in with and not be stopped. And then finally, he does really well. I mean, he, was, he won some rounds. There were hard-fought rounds. Rounds that he won. There there weren't many, but he made it an entertaining fight and he was there to win. So you got to just admire, admire what the juggernaut did in knocking out someone like that that's tricky to pin down. And he didn't give up until he finally did it and, and it came late.
4: How would you describe Joyce's power? Because I have a hard time, I know we mentioned Foreman as the comp, but like that jab, it doesn't look especially powerful it doesn't look as sharp as joshua's jabs sometimes look like but he just paws out there with it and connects with it and aims it right at your skull and then the right hands like there's they're wide and he loads up on them a lot and even when he connects i'm not sitting there going like it's not wilder-esque with that power like how would you describe kind of his punching power
6: well, I, I like the word you use in describing uh, him, lumbering, because he is lumbering. I mean, he's the definition of, of lumbering. Uh, but I would describe describe him of a, of a mix of a George Foreman and like a like a Riddick Bo without the speed, you know, it, it, uh, one of those mix because Bo had some hands on him. And it, 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 it looks like it's not going to hurt you because his power is that heavy and it's that slow he reminds me he has like he's like a freddo angulo (laughs) Angulo was one of the slowest guys i've ever fought but he grazed you and he hurt you he had heavy hands that's the that's the kind of power that i think joyce hands uh kind of you know that lennox lewis heavy-handed power where he catches you at the end he turns your lights out but he's even bigger than lennox lewis so just serious power man you can't teach that
4: no he certainly got it um a lot of fights I'd like to see Joe Joyce in next. Joyce Deontay Wilder. Oh man, I'd love to see that. Joyce Tyson Fury. Joyce Anthony Joshua. How? But you've seen what Joyce is now. Thirty-seven years old. How hard do you think it's going to be for him to get a big fight?
6: Um, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be really hard. I agree. Weird. It's going to be hard. Uh, they're they're going to wait him out. You know, he's thirty-seven, like you said.
4: But don't you think like he just, just send, you, he, you know we keep mentioning Foreman, right? Like, Foreman was fighting in his 40s and still pretty effective as a heavyweight. I think Joyce right. could be one of those guys yeah. that when he hits the age of 40, if he wants to, he can still be a really good heavyweight. I
6: I, I agree with you. That's a great point, and it's because he's lumbering. He's not quick. He doesn't rely on Granite at, chin. He, Just a jaw and a he has a chin. Well, if you're going to have a longevity in the sport, you need, to, you need chin. Um, but... He's he's very strong. He doesn't rely on fast twitch muscles, which that benefits an older fighter. The thing that really you know uh, makes fighters retire and after the 35 years old, they don't have the fast twitch. They don't have the legs anymore. They don't have the stamina. They don't have the endurance. They can't take the punch anymore. All that starts falling apart as a heavyweight when you're naturally not a fast twitch fighter. You're not very. You, you don't rely on speed. You just rely on on that heavy handed slow thumping power that doesn't need a connect guys like that can last long in their career because it, it only takes one punch. So I can see Joyce fighting into his forties, early forties. Absolutely.
4: Yeah. But for the short term, we know Usyk is not going to face him. At least we don't think so. Uh, I don't see Deontay Wilder facing him anytime soon. He's got a path with Helenius and then probably Andy Ruiz. Uh, Joshua's got his own path. which We're going to get into in a couple of minutes. Here's a name for you. What about Jarrell Miller for, Joe Joyce, big baby, Jerrell Miller. To to put to remind people where Jarrell Miller is, you know, back in 2019, he lost out on the Anthony Joshua fight because he tested positive for multiple banned substances. It happened again uh, about a year later, just over a year later, uh, when he was scheduled to fight on a top rank card. He has come back recently. He's won two very low level fights in a row. He had a show or a fight scheduled for this weekend in Kazakhstan. It was canceled because of reasons unrelated to Jarrell Miller. But I I look at Jarrell Miller as being an interesting opponent for Joe Joyce because you've got to get past all the bullshit, which is legitimate, all the drug tests and all that stuff. But he's still undefeated. He's got a big mouth. He's known to the British public because he spent weeks and weeks promoting the AJ fight. Up. I, I kind of like that fight for for Joe Joyce if he wants to make
6: it. I like it too, and I, I didn't even think of big baby big baby Miller because you said it. He has a big mouth. He's a self promoter. He gets under your skin, and Joyce is not going to promote a fight with his mouth. So, you know, he might backflip and get your attention, but he's not gonna he's not gonna go out there and, and start cussing a, a, opponents out and and you know act like that. So, I like that. I actually like that fight. I mean, if Dillian White's not around, I like. Uh, Baby Miller better because of that oh He hasn't been beaten. That always looks great on a fighter's resume. If you can take away that donut, that zero, it looks good on yours. It's a feather on your cap. And 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 uh, when it comes to Dillian White, I like that fight because they're both British. I mean, Dillian White's always in a great fight. He's only been you know beat by by the guys in the top. And. I think it'll be a a, a a a fantastic style matchup with a guy that's been in there with every style you could think of, and power is not enough to to intimidate him.
4: I think Dillian White would have a lot of problems with Joe Joyce. Like Dillian has that big left hook, but you saw what happened with Tyson Fury. Um, Joyce isn't as talented as Fury, but he's Fury size, and we know he can take a punch. He's going to keep coming, and I think he eventually gets to to Dillian White. I like the Jarrell Miller fight. If you believe Jarrell Miller deserves another chance, how do you feel on that as a former fighter? Do you believe Jarrell Miller, after testing positive multiple times for serious banned substances, he's not testing positive for what could have been tainted meat. He's testing positive for stuff that gets injected into your body. How do you feel about Jarrell Miller getting another chance at a big fight?
6: He's human, man. Listen, we all hate cheaters, but... He's already got his punishment. I mean, I think he's he's already... He lost has out. lost millions. He's lost out on millions. millions. And a potential Tens of millions, really. And a potential heavyweight championship uh, if he would have won. Um, uh, and what? He's in his mid-30s, 34? I think know? he's younger than that, maybe.
4: We can check, but I think he's younger than that.
6: I think he's in his 30s from what I remember. Yeah, but younger. But Keep either way, what, what, I what think... think? He, I, well, age matters. That's what I'm saying. But yes, I, I believe he, he does need... Uh, another chance
4: because he's 34. You're right. Just turned 34 this past summer. There
6: you go. um So he needs a big fight. You know he's getting to that age, but he does have that that undefeated record, and he is a bad boy. He is a south promoter, and he can fight. He's a big man with quick hands. uh I, Yeah, I'll give him another chance. And look, man, I, I I'm a fighter. I would hate to have thought that I went in there with someone that that cheated and used PEDs. I hate the fact when fighters get tested and they get PDS in their system after the fight, before the fight, and everything goes to shit. Or when they deny it, no one's ever gonna admit. Yeah, you know, I tried. I tried to cheat, but they caught me. No one's <laughs> ever gonna say that. They if get caught. If anyone
4: could, if anyone should, it's Jarrell Miller. I mean, the stuff he was caught with.
6: Dude, like, he got he- caught with like five different substances. <laughs> so did. no, there was no. no backing out of it. There's but no look, tainted back, meat excuse but back there. to what I'm saying, man. Every person deserves another chance. We're all sinners, manics. We're all we're all freaking sinners and I especially in boxing the way we grow up you know there's nothing good around us and that's our outlet that's our getaway and you could tell that it was just a bad decision he lost out on millions um he's he's done a little comeback against you know whatever fighters I think it's a good fight I like that fight I I, I didn't even think of big baby Miller I was I was thinking just British I was thinking bedillion white or or a former tyson fury opponent like you know Wallach or something no you, you Walling, well, I'm sorry
4: yeah out of wallen is, is fine but Jarrell Miller I think would certainly sell better and you get a chance to be the guy that takes the O off his resume, as you said. And um, I think it's good. I think if Jarrell Miller can get one more win on his resume, then maybe early next year, you could do Jerrell Miller against Joe Joyce and it would give him another name for that resume.
6: And, and if you're, if you're playing matchmaker for Joyce and trying to be, you know, um, calculating, Miller's only—he's been pretty much inactive, you know, in four years. What? How many times has he fought? Since three or two thousand eighteen,
4: I believe, was his last fight. His last big fight before the Joshua ban.
6: So there you go. One, one, once a year, maybe that he's fought against. You know, well, no, low he, level he op- had he had opposition. multiple years.
4: Two, what oh, was it Two years off. He came back, I believe, early this year to win those two fights, and now he's sort of on that comeback trail. On that subject of Miller, like, I do think he's paid a significant price I would obviously never ever advise anyone to get in the ring with him unless you're doing the most stringent drug testing in the history of boxing drug testing but look Jean Pascal is out there and he's gonna he's one win away from getting a chance to fight for the light heavyweight title like he tested positive what was it a couple of years ago for three different banned uh, substances real banned substances as well so if Jean Pascal is getting another shot, uh, bite at the apple uh, Jarrell Miller probably should as well
6: I agree and that's why uh you know I'm not being extra hard on him. You can't just you can't just you know say he's done something he's been doing since he was a kid just because he had one mistake. Like I said, we're all human.
4: Oh, uh, he had a few mistakes. He, that's not, you hey, know. We're all human, man. Well, I'm he, not here to
6: back him up. Wait, I'm not here to back I him up. You know, I know you know
4: you're not. But like all I'm the saying fact is that he, he got a, busted again a year after the AJ stuff again, I think we we're going to fight Jerry Forrest in that fight if, that he got busted again is wild.
6: All right, look like I said, I'm, That's giving, an addiction. I'm giving you my opinion. Uh, I'm not saying the commission should do it, whatever. I'm giving you my opinion because I feel sorry for him as a fighter because I know that he's invested so much time and effort to stay undefeated, to be relevant, to get the title shot, to finally get, make, start making some real serious money. And like a fucking idiot, you go and <laughs> and cheat. But then again, you start to think, how many how many years has he been cheating for? How long has he been doing it? Then it taints the entire resume. It taints the, the, the name. Oh, 100%. You know, just like Lance Armstrong, you can't even talk about that name without just getting disgusted by steroids you know you'll never look at lance armstrong's accomplishments the same again and that's what happens whenever you get caught there's no going backwards you're always known as a cheater
4: all right so let's stay in the heavyweight division tyson fury anthony joshua was officially called off by tyson fury this week then it was back on according to tyson fury now i honestly don't know where it stands here's eddie hearn on thursday discussing the state of fury and joshua
0: Um, A lot of what Tyson Fury says is not true. Um, So just to give you the truth, when we agreed terms, we waited, say, eight or nine days for a contract to come through, which is okay. It's a a big fight. Um, The contract was all over the place. And all of last week, we spoke to Queensbury every day to try and get it in the right place. This Monday, just gone, we sent them a final version of the contract. And Tyson Fury came out and said... Fights off. I'm not fighting Anthony Joshua. Okay, so kind of like semi-down tools. Yesterday, so Tuesday, George Warren came on and said, look, let me try and speak to him. Let's keep working away. We're like, okay. And then yesterday afternoon, George Warren said, here's our comments on your final version. Which, again, is fine. This, this happens. I mean, this fight, we're here for the Conor Ben-Eubank fight. I would say this fight, from the first draft of the contract, took two and a half months to sign. So... Anyway, we haven't had the contract for 14 days, by the way. That's not true either. But again, uh, last night at midnight, I spoke to George Warren and he said, look, let me speak to Tyson Fury, see if I can try and get him back in a fight. Didn't hear anything other than a post on uh, uh, Instagram today to say, sign a contract today, otherwise it's off again. So... We've got the con- We've got the comments from Queensbury on a contract. We're going to go back on that today. It's 100% not getting signed today, as I told you. No one's asking us or putting pressure on us to sign the contract on these given days other than Tyson Fury's Instagram account.
4: So let me ask you this, Sergio. Is it important for the two sides here to make Fury Joshua right now?
6: Yes. Emphatic, 100% yes it has to happen man because politics always gets in the way of a fight injuries get in the way of a fight promoters money networks managers so many hurdles you have to jump just to get a mega fight to happen and nowadays it seems like it's only going to happen when it's past their prime a la mayweather pacquiao where it happens, yes, it would broke records, yes, people loved it, they bought it, but then after the fight, it was like, oh man, both these guys are too old. It's not happening in their prime. That's exactly where Spence and, and Crawford are going. They're headed in that direction as well. I mean, the, the biggest fights that we need, we don't get. We didn't get AJ, we, we didn't get AJ versus um, Fury. This is another big fight that almost got done. Uh, so many incredible fights that can happen and they're just not happening so yes i say get it done i don't care you know whatever it takes get it done and i think fury was doing that i mean as far as what he was promoting on social media you know 60 40 uh, he sent him a contract he, he said he wants to get it done but of course we didn't get to see here joshua's side it's just embarrassing man it's boxing for you
4: well here's why i disagree disagree I, why i, I disagreed that it needs to be made right now oh I disagree because I think this fight can get exponentially bigger and it can get exponentially bigger in a very short period of time. You make Fury versus AJ right now, and it is the biggest fight in British boxing history. You know, eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 in a stadium somewhere. I guess Cardiff is the targeted uh, site you make tens of millions, maybe over $100 million in total revenue. It's a monster. But it's not quite as big as it could be a year from now when Anthony Joshua hopefully gets his career back on track, when Fury hopefully wins uh, a fight against Alexander Usyk and becomes undisputed champion uh, at heavyweight. I know that there is risk there because Joshua, his career could continue to slide. Fury even though I think both of us would agree he's the favorite against Usyk, um, he could lose that fight, and then we're out a potential mega fight. But I just see a light at the end of this Fury Joshua tunnel that has this fight being huge, the biggest fight in boxing history if it, get, it gets made a year from now.
6: All I heard was hopefully, and you said it twice, hopefully, Yeah, I don't want to rely on a mega fight on hopefully. It's yes or no. There's no maybes. There's no, eh, sure. There's no hopefully manics. You got to make that stuff happen. Make it happen while you can make it happen. And it almost got close to happening, according to Fury. They sent the contract. It was 60-40, according to Fury. But we didn't get it, man. We did not get it. Now, whatever happens next, it's going to be hopefully... You know, we're both of them win, and We can get it back again, like you said, later ne- next year. I don't rely on that, man. I rely on facts. I rely on, look, I'm going to have one more fight and I want to fight him. Nah, you know what? I don't want that other fight. I want to fight him next. That's it. Let's make it happen. There's no, there's no hoping here. It's, let's get it done. This is business. This is boxing business. There's two things. So I'm a boxer. I'm going to take care of my boxing and then I'm going to take care of my business. It was that close to getting done. I would think, but it's just bad. Bad, bad, bad. I say make it fi- make the fight happen next. I don't want to rely on hopefully.
4: Yeah, but you look at Tyson Fury right now, and he's at the peak of his powers. He is the best heavyweight in the world uh, by a significant amount, I would say. And he would go into that AJ fight peaking. Where is Anthony Joshua right now in your mind? You've watched the last two fights against Usyk. He looked sharper in the rematch against Husik, but he still lost. And then he went out and had that meltdown in the ring afterwards. We don't know what the status is of Robert Garcia as his trainer. We don't know what the status is of Angel Fernandez as his trainer. Sergio, you've told me many times over the years that you need more than one fight to get used to a new trainer, that you need time to adjust to him. Like, I want to see Anthony Joshua fight, and I've said this before, the British, or like, not the British, he is British, Dave Allen or somebody like that over in the UK in December, January, go on and fight Dillian White in April or May, and then you get to September, October, and that's when you fight uh, Tyson Fury. I I don't look at AJ right now as being anything more than like 75, 80% of what he could be at this moment, whereas Fury is at his very best.
6: I like the comeback fight to get that confidence and that knockout. Just you know, clobber feeling somebody. Again. Just kick the shit out of somebody. Absolutely. Yes. Um, How long yeah.
4: been since he's done that?
6: Um, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a uh, while. Pavetkin. No, but after Pavetkin. Pulev he
4: knocked out. Too. I, yeah.
6: I mean, he kind of struggled. Uh, but I, he still I, knocked he, him out. Yeah, yeah. He, he did. I, I don't think he looked uh, at full capacity there. I think P- Pavetkin was the last time we've seen him, you know, firing on all cylinders, but uh, I like that plan. And it has to do with uh, a damaged ego and a damaged, you know, former champion. You get them that confidence back. Every power puncher, you know, every power puncher from, you know, Foreman to, you know, Tommy Hearns. When they lost that first fight, you know, their first loss, it was, it was by knockout. They had to get that feeling back again, and then once they started knocking out guys again, they won the title again. They—that's exactly what this man needs right now. He needs to make—he needs to feel on top of the world. He needs to hear the—the the words, you know, and the winner, Anthony Joshua, hands up in the air, the roar of the crowd. That's addicting, Mannix. That's addicting. And once that winning feeling comes back, it—it's it, something you—you felt all your life. And then you can go into another big fight. All you need to do is have a good, solid Wait, win. so are you
4: agreeing with me yes, then? Yes, I am. You I, just I, did a 180 I, on I would, this. I wouldn't
6: go as far as to say David Allen. But no, but you...
4: So you would... If you were AJ, you would put off the Fury fight then?
6: No. Which, I would,
4: this is what we're talking about though.
6: I know that's what we're talking about. Do Fury now. It's not happening now. It might. From what, from what they're Yeah, but Fury changes mind. Media. By the
4: time people listen to this podcast on Friday, Fury might have changed his mind three times already. Like it keeps... The goalposts keep moving with Tyson Fury.
6: All right. I say take the Fury fight. If that fight doesn't happen, then yes, your plan works well, but not a David Allen. Someone with more <laughs> name <laughs> recognition and some someone that, that people can at least recognize.
4: Oh, you want to see him kill Chisora out there? Aren't they like management buddies now? Doesn't AJ manage uh, Derek Chisora, I think? 258 management?
6: Well, I mean, it could be someone along those lines. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Along <laughs> those lines. I didn't say Chisora, but along those lines.
4: All right, got to move on. Let's talk about Demetrius Andrade. Oh! <laughs> exactly. Uh, the now former middleweight champion is a man without a fight after Andrade elected to withdraw from an interim title fight, interim 168-pound title fight, I should say, against Zach Parker. The reason was financial when Frank Warren, who promotes Zach Parker, initially won the purse bid for uh, for Andrade Parker back in the spring. It was for $1.8 million. Andrade had to withdraw from that fight because of an injury, a new purse bid was ordered, which resulted in Warren winning for just 305000 which is a significant <laughs> cut for Demetrius. Uh, Andrade decided that was not enough money to go ahead with that fight. But now Andrade is 34 and faced with being out of the ring for more than a year. Sergio, where does Demetrius Andrade, our friend, go from here?
6: <laughs> well, I'll tell you where he goes because I've been there before. Whenever you're, you've been getting paid really, really well and and been a champion and been in the limelight and then you have that hiccup and he hasn't even lost <laughs> and that's a hiccup but you can't get the big fights anymore the phone stops ringing you're not a sought out you know a commodity you're not you're not hot anymore you have to take a dangerous fight you have to take a a a, a high risk low reward type fight to get respect and now the shoe's on the other foot Manix. that's the reason People didn't want to fight Demetrius Andrade. He was too much of a high risk, low reward. Now Andrade's on the other side of that. That's what he needs to do. He he needs to go beat a fighter like a, I would think, like a Janabek uh, uh, Aleem Kanuli. Scary Kazakhstan, another Southpaw. He'll get respect doing that. Someone that no one wants to face right now. Someone along those lines because a not going to fight him. Canel's certainly not going to fight him. He's not going to get a marquee name, but get a scary little, you know, unknown like that and wipe the floor with him or, or win convincingly. That's how you turn heads. So that's what Andre needs to do if he wants to get back to those seven figure paydays that he got accustomed to. You know, he has to take a high risk, low reward type fight.
4: I agree. Um, I don't think that fight is Janabek. I think that fight is David Benavidez. And there's been some.
6: Wait a minute. Benavidez there, is a champion. That's a, that's a champion, former champion. He's not a
4: champion, though. That
6: That's a name recognition. What are you talking about? He's Two time champion. champion. He's not a champion. Undefeated. No one's ever beat him. He's not a champion right now. No one's ever beat him.
4: Who is the champion at 168? Uh, it's Canelo, Canelo. All four he has belts. All of them, yeah. Yes. Benavidez has the secondary title for the WBC. There's been some industry chatter.
6: Benavidez is a champ. The, well, I don't okay, care what you fine. say.
4: He's lost it twice once on the scales and once because of a reparation. No drug. beat him. i I'm, we're, this is a dumb part of the argument. Benavidez is the ideal opponent for Andrade.
6: La bandera roja.
4: Okay, but Andrade needs to find a way to align himself with Al Hammond. He has to. He has to go over to the PBC side. It's the only way for him to get a significant fight. Eddie Hearn tried for three years to make a big fight for Demetrius Andrade. Andrade met a lot of money. It didn't work. Top rank, they would have done a deal for Andrade to fight Beck, but they have nobody else out there for him. I and mean, he's not going to fight... Like, Edgar Berlang is not going to fight him, that's for sure. Where the action is for Demetrius Andrade is with the PBC. And it's going to have to start with David Benavidez. That's an incredibly dangerous fight for Andrade, who would be making his debut at 168 pounds. But if he beats Benavidez, all of a sudden, he's in position to fight Caleb Plant, to fight Jamal Charlo, to maybe put get in the mix, to fight... Canelo, if he's able to beat someone like Benavidez. I, I think that's the only option right now, Sergio. Like, whatever money Al Heyman is offering Demetrius Andriot, if he's offering anything at all, he has to take it. He has to find a way to get in the ring with David Benavidez.
6: All roads, Mannix. All roads, when the doors are shut in your face, lead to Al Heyman. You would know. I would know because they shut every single door. I me mean, when, I, when I went to Al Heyman... And I made a lot of money towards the end of my career. So I think I love that idea. Demetrius Andrade should sign with Al Heyman. That man will get you paid like you're accustomed to. And he will put you in front of a, uh, the big names. It might take one or two fights, but he'll put you in front of those champions. That I love that idea.
4: Well, I mean, he... Andrade passed on the chance to fight or to be part of the Showtime Al Heyman um, network, you know, about two years ago. If there's an offer for him now, he's got to take it. Because, I mean, I mean, Sergio, at 34 years old, can you believe this? As talented as Andrade is, and he's incredibly talented. We both agree on that. He has never fought a former world champion. In his entire career, he's never fought a world champion or a former world champion. He won his title at 154 as a vacant belt, beating Vannis Modarojian. And he won his title at 160, as we know against Walter Cautendacqua. Now, he's had some bad luck along the way, was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders back in uh, 2018. That didn't happen, but he will have one of the thinnest resumes of any two-time world champion or two-division world champion I've ever heard of at this point.
6: Yeah, you know what? Now that he, now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking about, wow, he did pick up, you know, vacant titles. Yeah. You know, he, that's a title holder. That's a two two division title holder. I never heard that expression before. That's a two division title holder because you know my the way I think of it, you need to beat a champion to become a champion. If you pick up a vacant strap, that makes you a title holder. No shame there. You're still a title holder. You hold the belt. I never saw it that way because I think the world of Andrade, Ever since you know he made the the Olympics, represented U.S. You know I think he's 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 one of these avoided you know scary fighters that no one wants to face. Uh, Eddies Alvarez, Lara. You know, type, you know, talent like that. But yeah, he he hasn't fought a champion. That's incredible. It blows my mind because he's that avoided. Yeah.
4: I mean, he has avoided is the right word. He has been avoided at 154. He was avoided at 160. To not be avoided at 168, he's got to step in the lion's den right away. His first fight's got to be against David Benavidez. I think that's possible too. I've heard some chatter about that maybe happening before the end of the year. I think Benavidez's side wants it Benavidez doesn't duck any smoke he wants all I the was smoke about well. to
6: tell you I was about to tell you that without saying the word smoke and please don't ever use the word smoke again no, just doesn't, doesn't sound cool God. coming out of your mouth it sound cool coming but out of yes yours? He, he but he wants all the fire he What's wants the, <laughs> the hell is the difference <laughs> uh yeah well he wants all all the uh, he wants the hardest challenges and I, I I get it man and a guy like Benavidez he doesn't turn down anybody a guy like Caleb Plant will be calculated. Be like, no, I'll let him beat somebody. Uh, who else is that? One sixty-eight Darrell.
4: Let Caleb uh, Plant beat somebody first. How about that?
6: It's <laughs> Caleb Plant? Yeah, beaten? but but Canelo, but he has Canelo on his resume. That's it. I,
4: that, that's like the Rolly Romero argument. That's he's got all you he's got Canelo on his resume. Yeah. he got and, knocked and, and, out. And
6: and now look at Rolly Romero. He has a name. He has a recognition. And no you fights. See him, you see him around fights. People want to take pictures of him. He carries himself with that bad boy swag. Doesn't matter. People know him by now, and people. That's know what matters. Doesn't winning matter? Of course, winning matters, but also getting big fights because you're 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 known. You have name recognition. You're not a nobody anymore. So you you think you're about, known
4: for getting knocked
6: out? It doesn't matter. People know the name Rolly Romero and yeah. Kayla Plant because of who they fought. That's that. That's that. So now they can they can they have a little uh, weight on their name. Them let them cash out on this that is weight.
4: the state of boxing in a nutshell. You are known and you are considered a success because you got knocked out by a high level opponent. That that is. Absurd in every possible way.
6: That's what happens, man. I mean, <laughs> just because you sh- kill Jesse James doesn't make you Jesse James. Thank you, yes. <laughs> I,
4: I remember, I saw the movie, yes, <laughs> I, I got it. Uh, the, I don't wanna make this about Rolly Romero though, but like the, the problem with what you're talking about with Rolly Romero and to a lesser degree Caleb Plant is like they think what who they got in the ring with and lost to entitles them to something big. The Rolly Romero, could have gotten a fight by now. Chances are, though, he's not going to fight the rest of this year and may not fight till the middle of next year because he thinks he's worthy of Errol Spence or he thinks he's worthy of Ryan Garcia, somebody like that. That's ridiculous. Of course it is. Uh, But you put him in with like, you know, Errol Spence wants him to fight uh, Frank Martin, his guy, the 135-pounder. Roy is not going to do that because Frank Martin probably beats him.
6: That and Romero already has recognition where he can bring that name uh, value and, and get talks a bigger a fight.
4: He talk, then he's it, the Derek Chisora of... No, well, but Derek Chisora these fights.
6: Derek guys. Chisora fights. He's yeah, he war. Fights. I'll give, I, yeah, I don't want to say he, that about he, Derek Chisora. Th- th- he's this, not like that. No, no, no. Romero's like a like a Ricardo Mayorga. He's like a Mayorga. He talks He talks the talk and he has a big punch and people love that.
4: Mayorga at least was fighting guys too, though. Right.
6: Well, he became a champion.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a little bit different there. All right. Uh, let's talk about Floyd Mayweather. The Floyd Mayweather exhibition tour continued last week with Mayweather knocking out uh, Makiru Asakara, a Japanese MMA star uh, who is uh, well-known on that side of the world. Up next for Floyd is a November exhibition against Deji, the younger brother of influencer KSI. But then, Sergio, things could get interesting. Jake Paul has called for a fight against Mayweather. When asked about fighting Jake Paul, Mayweather said this,
1: he said, I'm only doing real fights. And of course, I can't get up high in weight, but I'll fight him in a real fight at the weight that I'm at. But as of right now, for what he's doing, it's good for what he's doing. But once he fights a real actual, real fighter, it's,
4: it's gonna be bad. So last this, Sergio, do you like a fight between Floyd Mayweather and Jake
6: Paul? Of course I do. And, and I'm gonna explain why. Because Floyd Mayweather, like you said, is on on the on the uh, victory tour, the celebrity tour, the non-boxing tour, and this guy, this man, this legend, this this one of the greats of our generation, Money Mayweather deserves it nowadays. He spent his entire life, his entire career, dedicated to become as great as he was. Fifty and no, you know, numerous world champions made all the money in the world. Now it's time for him to just. Rob the bank, the heist, you know, go on the, on this little tour, kick, kick the hell out of MMA fighters, kick the hell out of, you know, Conor McGregor's and break pay-per-view records, kick boxers, whatever. You can fight whoever he wants. And now if he wants to fight another celebrity, uh, uh YouTube celebrity, he already beat Logan Paul. Yeah. Whoop the hell out of his brother. It'll be a great thing. I think he'll, I think he'll do well.
4: Okay. You have to differentiate between the collection of guys like Deji and who do I just mentioned? The YouTuber he's gonna fight next, uh, the two Japanese fighters he fought in the last year, they're in one category. Jake Paul's in another, really. Jake, he's better than those guys, is what I'm saying, and that makes him more dangerous to Floyd Mayweather. Sergio, you watched Floyd against Logan Paul, um, it was ugly, but. You know, Logan Paul was using his size to kind of push Mayweather around a little bit during that fight. I I don't know who won it. I wasn't scoring it. I was cringing during most of it. But he went the full, what, eight-round distance against Floyd Mayweather. And Jake Paul is a better boxer than Logan Paul. Jake Paul actually has real knockout power. Now, I'm skeptical that fight would ever happen because Jake Paul is walking around at 185, 190 pounds. Floyd what is he like around 160 at this point maybe a little lower 154 I don't see Jake Paul getting down that low in weight for a fight like that I don't see uh, Floyd going up that further but I I, unless the money is astronomically high why would you get into the ring with someone who is a developing boxer who has real power (laughs) why would you do it Sergio like if, if you can make low seven figures to fight these absolute walkovers like the guy he fought in his last fight and the guy he's going to fight in his next fight why would you risk it why would you risk having your entire legacy forgotten which it would be and you know it it would be forgotten if you get starched from one punch from jake paul
6: the full disclosure manix does jake paul sponsor your show he does not Why are you so infatuated with Jake Paul? Why are we talking about Jake Paul? Because Floyd Mayweather said he would fight him. That's why we're talking. Why are you praising his power like he's Rocky Marciano or somebody? He's been. Do you think he has power? He's a strong kid, but I don't think he has power. He's knocking out non-boxers. You know how many non-boxers I knocked out in the hood. I mean, that's just basically <laughs> what he's doing. He's knocking out guys because he's a strong, athletic kid. Him and his brother are strong, athletic. You know, former football players, wrestlers. These guys are strong. They, you know, yeah. Anyone could punch hard with you don't know how to if you don't know how to duck. Floyd Mayweather is a defensive genius. Most boxers know how to defend themselves, Roll, roll, roll from a shot. These guys, what makes them good is that they're strong. What's gonna make them suck? When they fight a real pro fighters that they can't take a punch that's the main thing once they get hit they're going to turn their back and quiver or they're going to go down they're not going to know how to react that's where the difference is going to be maddox that's where the difference is going to be not whether they could punch out like you're so like in love with the power it's whether they could take a damn punch it's not going to take a big punch that's why floyd is so comfortable 160 pounds against 190 pounds if he hit some dead in the chin doesn't It's not going to matter. They don't know how to take a punch. These guys do not know how to take a punch.
4: Okay, so why did Logan Paul go the distance then?
6: Because he, he had 40 pounds on him. He had 40 pounds on Floyd Mayweather. So size obviously is going to matter when it comes to certain. Not only that, he had height. He had everything on him.
4: Jake will have some height on him. Jake will probably have some weight on him. He rehydrated pretty uh, high up.
6: Okay, I'm not saying Jake won't go some rounds. I mean, Jake will go some rounds. I I mean- look,
4: Floyd was never a knockout puncher in his best days. Like, he wasn't. Like I mean, I, well, I Take it back. His best days were probably before Delahoya. He was really good as a knockout puncher at that weight. But since he got to 147 and above, he was not a knockout puncher. He's not going to knock out Jake Paul. It's just not going to happen. And I'd be concerned that he just gets caught. That at 45 years old, his reflexes aren't quite what they used to be, and he just gets caught with a big punch, which all of a sudden makes that, like, the front... The first line is Wikipedia page. Like it becomes, uh, you know, a part of his narrative. He doesn't need that. He accomplished way too much in the sport of boxing to put himself in that position. The bottom line for me, Sergio, is I would, if I was advising Floyd and he's got smart people around him, I would say don't go anywhere near Jake Paul. It makes no sense for you to do that.
6: You're insane. He's laughing all the way to the bank, and that's the reason he comes out with that with that mask, that rob robbers mask. You know, because it's a heist. Every time he goes into one of these these you know non boxing fights, it's a heist. He he leaves all the way laughing all the way to the bank, and this is another another case of that. So yeah, I'm all for money Mayweather whooping the hell out of uh, another Paul brother.
4: I'll give it to Floyd, a great businessman in his active days and a great businessman in retirement. Like <laughs> I watched the replay. Of that fight against Asakura. (laughs) The guy had no chance. And look, Deji is going to get clobbered in that fight in the Middle East. Like just going to get beat up. And Floyd is going to cash a seven-figure paycheck to go and do it. Like thanks for coming. Way to work up a sweat. Way to knock some nobody out. And here's well over a million dollars.
6: He's not a businessman. He's a businessman. So let him handle his business. Damn.
4: Who are you trying to sound like there?
6: That's a Jay Z line.
4: You would have known. You don't. You don't sound like Jay Z delivering it, though.
6: Well, it's out of context.
4: <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. While we wait for Ryan versus Tank in the ring, uh, the two of them may not be all that willing to wait for a fight outside of the ring. Garcia was on social media this week. Ah, uh, detailing a near altercation he had with Tank at a Los Angeles nightclub. Sergio, negotiations I'm told are still ongoing for Garcia versus Tank either in December or January of next year. I'll put the question you this way: Who needs that fight to happen more,
6: Ryan Garcia or Tank Davis? They both do equally, equally, manix. And I hate, I hate the fact that I'm, you know, I'm not choosing a side. And you know, I, you don't like me when I ride the border like that. But they both do. Tank is damn near 28 years old, and he hasn't faced a legitimate, scary uh, champion. He's faced Gamboa, uh, a guy that was past his prime. Uh, Santa Cruz, someone that was much smaller. He has not faced anyone that's on his level. And when he did an Isak Cruz, which was not a championship-type fight, you know, he wasn't a champion, he gave him hell. He gave him hell. So that's Tank Davis. And Ryan Garcia, on the other hand, they're moving him really nicely, but he's only what twenty-four years old. You know, he's four years younger than Tank, so he's fine. But you know, a lot of people do think that that he that he just calls out guys because they know that they're not gonna then they're not gonna take the fight. So I would love for one of these champions that Ryan Garcia calls out on social media, and he has a lot of followers, to finally say, you know what all right, kid, I'm sending you the contract. Because then, you know, that's when you know he's, if he's for real. I know Ryan Garcia's for real. I've seen it from my own eyes when, when he got off the canvas with lou campbell Mm -hmm. i said it we're gonna see what this kid's made of because i was in doubt i didn't know what he had you don't know how you're gonna react when you get clipped like that for the first time dropped and hurt by a real a a real fighter a a guy like lou campbell he got up and closed the show like a champ he had that look in his eye the eye of the tiger so i i believe in ryan garcia so who needs this fight they both do and it's Aside from uh, Joshua Fury or, or or Canelo, whoever else, it's the biggest fight in the boxing.
4: It, it's yeah, it's it's up there, um, bigger than Crawford Spence at Crawford, least Spence commercially I for thinking. sure. Yeah, um, I, I understand why you say Ryan Garcia needs that fight, but come on, Jamonta Davis needs it a lot more. Jamonta Davis is going to be 28 years old in November, and to your point, has not fought anyone anyone really consider high level at this point. His biggest win came back when he was at. Uh, 130 pounds against Jose Benavidez. Like, that's... Come on. Let's let's be real with this. If Gervonta Davis fights... I don't even know who he would fight. We have this conversation all the time. I don't know who's there at 130 or 135 or even 140 in the PBC universe that makes any sense. Like, could he drop back to 130 to fight Hector Luis Garcia for his title? I guess that would be a credible fight for him, but he's not going to go back to 130. And Garcia doesn't have the same... Kind of credibility at 135. Look, even the most staunchest of Garcia, or sorry, of Tank supporters, guys like Barak, who we work with on DAZN, have said to me, like, if if he doesn't take a real fight in his next fight, you know, we're going to start to turn on him as well. Like, Whoa. you know, even the the biggest yeah. advocates for Tank are saying now he needs a big fight. About
6: time. We've been saying it for two years now. Well, you've been saying it for two years. I've been saying it. For two I years. kind of been. Maybe a year and a half, for, a year for me. About a year, yeah. I I, I kind of, I kind of uh, got put got myself. But he needs it, man. Like, he can't... Yes, he does. I'm and with he's, you. And he's got to be the
4: one that goes to Al Heyman and goes to Leonard LB and the people that are responsible for charting the course of his career and say, make the fight. Now, he has done that with Ryan Garcia. Like I said, I've talked to people during this week. Like, there are still talks going on for Garcia against uh, Davis. I don't know how... I don't know if it gets done because it is a complicated fight to make and I never believe fights like that are going to happen. But they are talking about doing it. But if you're Garcia and if you're Tank, specifically Tank, you got to make this fight happen. you got to ram this fight through and and get it to the finish line because you need Ryan Garcia more than Ryan Garcia needs you. If, you. if Ryan Garcia doesn't get Tank, he stays at 140. He starts to move his career forward at 140 pounds. There are fights there for him. He'd probably get a shot, You had a vacant title or one of those... Like, like Prograve versus Zepeda you is know happening. Hold on. Prograve versus Zepeda is happening, I think, in November. Like, Garcia would get an opportunity to fight the winner of that fight, I, I believe. Um, or some other of those 140-pound tiles that have broken off now that Josh Taylor's given a bunch of them up. So I, I think Garcia has a path forward that is credible. I don't know what the path forward is for Tank if he's going to continue to avoid these types of big fights.
6: Garcia's the most marketable fight uh, as far as, you know, the, the the higher numbers and pay-per-view and all that but the fight that will be more interesting in my opinion at 140 is a fight between tank and teofimo lopez could you imagine that fight the build-up that can be in the barclays or anywhere in new york or or in the east coast it'll do big that's a pay-per-view fight as well it'll be a different crowd you have ryan garcia with all the 16 year old girls and social media you know, uh, uh, celebrities. And when it comes to tank and teal female, that'll be the hardcore. That'll be, that'll, that'll be East coast. That'll be the urban crowd. that will be boxing. Die diehards. That'll be a hell of a fight. Let me give you a different, that'll be a hell of a, it, fight. It's, it's
4: a great fight. Don't get me wrong. Let me give you a different pathway. I would like to see tank take. I would like to see him find a way to get the Ryan Garcia fight done. If he gets that fight done, you know, I want to see him fight after that. Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson that's, that's, moving up to 135 pounds. Why?
6: Because Shakur Stevenson is one of these guys you don't want to fight. Oh God, here we go. So, so you avoid? I, like, I avoid like, him like the plague. Uh, of course you would. Uh, Shakur no, is that it, good? Okay, oh. then.
4: But th- you're if you're a top dog at 135, Shakur is a top dog at 135. Uh, why would you take that fight? And after Shakur, if you could find a way to win that fight, Devin Haney's going to be out there. I would go chase Devin Haney and the undisputed championship at 135.
6: There you go. That makes more sense. Devin Haney. Devin Haney's been clipped. We know how he reacts. You know, we've seen him rocked by Linares. Tank is a bigger puncher than. Linares he's more explosive and he's a naturally bigger fighter so uh yeah at this point if tank's not fighting garcia there's plenty of how much of,
4: of this do you're a fighter how much this do you put on the fighter like we're sitting here talking about what a great pathway it is to fight those three guys
6: you make when a you're shitload making of money. that much a ton money,
4: of money you but you make it, a ton of money doing those fights those are pay-per-view big answered, time fights you
6: answered your own question the money. That's why the fact that networks kid, and promoters. No, not listen want to, to work me, man. You that's ask me. You're is. giving my opinion. Tell me what it Look, is. Look, man. We grow up from nothing. I I came from East LA. He he. Uh, Tank Davis from Baltimore. We had nothing. The gangs. The drugs. When you start making seven figures a fight, when you start making that kind of money, when you go from insufficient funds to seven figures, and he's making a lot more than I ever did. Come on, man. Whatever you're doing, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And guess what? It's not broken. Mayweather Promotions is moving them well. They're all, you know, getting some money off that pot. Why it ain't broke, don't fix
4: Okay, but you then can't sit there, and your promoters can't sit there and say Tank is should be on the pound for pound list. And Tank that's is one of the why best me and you
6: never include him in that pound for pound list. That's why some me and people you, do, which is crazy. That's what me and you give Ock and Barack so much shit because mm-hmm. we know that you know they they just don't call it like it is. They're not calling a spade a spade. I'm with you on that, and I'm I'm a big fan of Tank. I love watching him fight. I order his pay per views because I'm a fan. But I agree with you. Thin resume at this point, almost 28 years old, and you don't have a, a, a solid uh, undefeated championship name on your resume since Jode, Jose Pedraza? Nah, man, you deserve all the criticism.
4: All right, a couple questions I want to take from Instagram before we go. Uh, Marcos asks, are you starting to get worried about Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford? Sergio, we have, like, credit good reporters. People I, I know and respect have... Like over the course of the last month, month and a half, have written like this. Fight is so close. Several times, I'll tell you what I, you know, have heard about this. That there's still a lot of optimism. It gets done for November 19th. There still are details uh, in this fight contract that they're slogging through, but they still believe it's going to get done. But Sergio, six weeks, six weeks away. At some point, we're going to have to stop saying, "Well, it's okay. You don't have to promote the fight. You don't need that much time to promote the fight." Well. I mean, what is the 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 mark? Right? Is it six weeks? Is it five weeks? Is it four weeks? When do we start to panic about this fight happening?
6: I gave up on that fight. I wouldn't give up on it. I gave up on that fight because you need eight weeks in camp, eight weeks in camp for that fight. No,
4: I think, but you know this as a fighter. We're well, already on. in camp. They're already hold in on.
6: camp. Uh, yeah. Okay. Spencer okay, Crawford are in camp. They're in camp. In camp. Okay. T- the marketing machine needs a good 5 That's weeks. Yeah. A good 5 weeks of solid pumping that, you know, commercials and and billboards and all that. So yeah, you need a good 5 weeks to really make it a big event like that. But these guys, I mean, they're the best of the best and they're not really talking about fighting each other. They're, they don't talk about each other's names. They don't they're not marketing it well. I mean, it's going to be another version of uh, Mayweather Pacquiao where they fight finally happen it's gonna do great but something's gonna be missing one of them it's it, it, something's gonna be missing the inactivity is gonna kick in for one of them an injury or something's gonna pop up it's not gonna be the same or maybe one guy got older you know overnight it's gonna be one of those fights where where it just happened a little bit too late man and it wasn't the same that, that the, the the taste already went bitter in my mouth for that fight even if it does happen at the end of this year, it's kind of just like you're, no,
4: you're, you you would if it happens to the end of this year. If it happens to December,
6: get, say not nah, it, November. November
4: nineteenth is still the target date. It's
6: Christmas time, December. I'm thinking about Christmas, man. Okay,
4: but November nineteenth, you're not. All right, you're not a big Thanksgiving guy, so relax. So it, you're thinking about you. You'd be interested. You'd want to see that fight in mid-November. I, I would too. I still believe. I'm just putting putting it out there. I still believe that fight will happen in November nineteenth. And you've but you've done this, Sergio. I, I agree with the marketing part. I think, like, let's say this fight was going to land, is going to land on Showtime pay-per-view, which is most likely in this scenario. Um, by not having it signed and sealed, you've blown, like, four weeks of college football advertising on CBS to promote this fight and get people interested and in, remember this fight. Now, some some people might say it doesn't really matter until, like, the week of the fight, two weeks for the week of the fight. I disagree. I think you want to get it on people's brains sooner rather than later. But... uh, I still think there's enough time for this fight to happen and be worth the wait that we put into it. That's chances just, are it's not going to happen. I think chances be, are it is going to nope, happen.
6: Because they these guys need to be on talk shows. They need to be yeah, uh, but they don't in do commercials. They they, need to be, but
4: boxing is given up on mainstream they, media. It drives me crazy, but it has. It really not for, has. Not
6: for mega fights like that. Sure it that. has. Sure. Not for mega fights like that. No, n- the la- yeah, of course it has. The last,
4: w- were Canelo and Golovkin on you know talk shows or doing things like that? Uh, that wasn't mainstream maybe for the first two fights nah, the first two fights but not for this one Th- this yeah is... but they already had name recognition right, they but already
6: but fought and people already knew know uh, that 24 rounds be, have been. I'm telling you
4: one of my biggest the one of the things that irritates me the most about boxing promoting is that I think promoters have given up on mainstream media I, I think that you know you saw what impact mainstream media had on Taylor Serrano like Taylor Serrano was on Good Morning America Like, the week of the fight, they're on friggin' Good Morning America. They're doing all this mainstream media. New York Times, Washington Post, hell, I'll give myself a pop. Sports Illustrated did a big spread on, on the two women. Like, that matters, to, to get casual yes, fans it interested. matters.
6: Why do you think I'm here talking to you? I spent 16 weeks on national television, on NBC, prime mm, time. That's correct. So, yes, that matters. Main Street matters because mom and pops need to want to see you instead of just the, the boxing aficionados. That's when you become a crossover star, when people that don't watch boxing are watching boxing events. And fights like that will capture the imagination of non-boxers. And if it's not happening, then it's just another one that's blown in the wind.
4: It's too bad. I I think they should do, you know, promoters should do more. I think actually top rank does a pretty good job with mainstream media, at least trying to tap into it to a degree. But for the most part, it just seems like in boxing, we're satisfied with just going after the people in our bubble. And that that's fine to a certain degree. You want to appeal to the hardcore fans that have helped get you here, but you're not going to grow the sport unless you're bringing casual fans in and making them, uh, real fans uh, as well. Uh, last question for you. Uh, I had a couple of questions on this. Alexander Vostick, do you see this? Is planning a comeback. The former light heavyweight champion uh, used to train under Teddy Atlas. He lost kind of brutally to Archer Betterbev. Got beat up at the end of that and fight. I was there, and he retired. I was wondering why he retired. Well, I mean, I think he that was a pretty good beating he took from Betterbeev. Yeah, but
6: it was one. I know, and well, he so was a champion do already. Do you think
4: that Vostick has a future in the light yes, heavyweight division?
6: Absolutely. That was a confusing uh, retirement there. It reminded me of Dimitri Pirog. And Pirog retired undefeated. It's a good name. Undefeated. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Just one beating at the top of the list. Both of you guys were champions to unify. You come up short, beating, okay, but it's your first, and then you retire. That blew my mind. And I'm not accustomed to that because boxers get to that point, and that's when they start making real money to leave all that money on the table when you made all that effort to become a champion and build your name, it just doesn't make sense. So, of course, I think Vostick should come back uh, and and left off where he, where he uh, start where he left off at.
4: And Vostick was the guy who knocked out Adonis Stevenson, took his title off him back in 2018, and then lost that fight two fights later to Archer He's 35 years old, so there's a bit of a shelf life on him, but. He's a good enough boxer that I think he can get back to the mix if he takes two or three fights. I'm curious to see which promoter, if any, shows interest in him. Um, you can certainly see matchroom. I can see matchroom. Yeah, I can see Matchroom. You know, you've got Joshua Buatzi out there with Matchroom. You've got Beeble still in the stable. That makes a lot of sense for for Vostek if he decides to come back. Uh, your comeback, we'll wait to hear about for a few weeks. You're, it's gonna happen.
6: You know it's gonna happen. Hey, listen, man, I've been in you're hitting the bag at I've, like LA Fitness. <laughs> I've been in the gym for seven weeks and it's getting good to me manix i'm telling you right now See, I better, you're coming I better. i better not get a call from one of these geeks in celebrity town and celebrity youtubers because i'll beat the hell out of any of these guys that calls my name out you hear me jake paul
4: when we come back my conversation with sebastian fundura
3: good song the johnny carson theme right hey who wrote that skip who do you think it's your buddy hi everyone i'm paul anka and i'm skip bronson
4: All right, football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code boxing. I have been doing a lot of football gambling over the last few weeks. The Patriots have not been kind to me, Mac Jones has not been kind to me, but. I'm banking big on Brian Hoyer this weekend, baby. That's right. Patriots legend, Brian Hoyer. Uh, FanDuel has a ton of betting options for each game. You can combine your bets for a chance and a bigger payout with the same game parlay. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. And with FanDuel's new live SGPs, you can create one even after kickoff. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid, get your winnings really fast. So sign up today with promo code BOXING for your no-sweat first bet. If you bet on boxing with me, bet on the NFL with me with FanDuel. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official Sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Sebastian Fundura is here, undefeated, junior middleweight contender on October 8th. He will be back facing former title challenger Carlos Ocampo in Southern California. That's a fight you can see on Showtime. And the towering Inferno joins me on the show. First of all, one of the best nicknames in all of boxing, I think. Like, tell me about where the nickname came from.
1: My nickname came from a movie, but uh, it came from the idea of my promoter, Samson Lichquitz. What did you think when he branded you that? I didn't. I don't really care for it. I was like, eh, whatever. It's kind of making fun of me. But you know, uh, later on in my career, I figured out it it, it did fit well because you know the towering, because the height, and the inferno, because the way we fight. You thought that was was like making fun of you in a way? A little bit, a little bit. Samson likes to joke a lot, so yeah, <laughs> I, I took it. I took it as a I took it in offense. He
4: does like to joke a lot. That's for sure. Um. All right. Scale of one to ten, one being incredibly easy. Ten being the hardest thing you have ever done. How difficult is it for you to make weight for every fight?
1: One. It's a one. That's a one. That's incredible. I walk at this weight; it's not a problem. That's
4: that's wild, man. You're six foot six, and you're making one fifty four at a level of one.
1: That easy. That easy. It, it's fairly easy. All I have to do is do a workout. I'm fine. <laughs> I'll be solid on my weight. <laughs> so like. A
4: week or so before your fight, how close are you to
1: 154? Um, probably walking like 160 right now, four pounds off, six pounds off, and five maybe. It, if you had to squeeze down to welterweight again, could you do it? Of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, right now, I, I want to champ. I want. I want to take my chance and win a belt at 154 because that's how I've been doing my whole career. Mm-hmm. Does I mean? Does it surprise you that it's that easy? I mean, for some athletes,
4: it's incredibly easy, right? Like I work with Sergio Mora, who tells me all the time, like, I can't keep weight on, I can't keep weight on. I've been retired for five years. I'm like at 175 right now. <laughs> does it, I mean, does it surprise you at all how easy it is to get down to that 154?
1: I think it's just the metabolism, you know? And then the, the training on top of that, you know, we're always sweating, but our metabolism is probably very really fast. So mm-hmm. that's uh that's probably why.
4: So, how much do you pay attention to your eating habits? You know, during a training camp,
1: I eat healthy. I do eat healthy, but uh, I mean, if I can, I'm gonna sneak in a couple of cheeseburgers. You know, <laughs> if I can, of course. But like, getting close to the day, to the fight day, I'm eating more healthy and, and respecting my diet. I don't have a bad diet, but again, uh, it's more strict.
4: So the Friday before a weigh-in. Like, how are you feeling before? Are you eating the night before? Are you eating that morning? How are you? What are you doing before the weigh-in?
1: Of course, yeah. We we'll we we'll eat dinner. We we'll eat dinner the night before, but uh, uh, maybe cut that breakfast because you know the breakfast is so close to the weigh-in. But other than that, we'll, we'll we'll be eating the whole day until the weigh-in.
4: Anyone that's ever tried to lose weight in their life hates you right now. Listening to this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> always asking me,
1: "How are you feeling, Jeff You're hungry, are huh? You hungry?" No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm smiling always. So it's, it's, I'm fine.
4: I mean, you must look across at fighters during the weigh-ins, you know, guys that are smaller than you and they you can probably tell when they're dry, when they've been kind of starving themselves down.
1: Definitely. Definitely. You can tell boxers are um, hungry when he has that hoodie on his head down or has the headphones on and you, you, or the sunglasses as well. You know, they don't want to be talked to. So I, I did ask you about welterweight. Like, What's the lowest way you think you could
4: possibly get to without killing yourself?
1: I think welterweight. You know, welterweight. I never, I would never want to squeeze anything lower than that. You know, <laughs> that's a. I feel like I, 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 I welterweight will be squeezing a little bit, and in my, in my theory, that that's unhealthy. You know.
4: Yeah. Did you watch Paul Williams coming up? You know, another guy that was a really, really tall welter at one fifty four.
1: Uh, unfortunately, the only fight I've seen against uh, with him is when he fought um. Martinez, I knew you were going to so. say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who hasn't <laughs> seen that one? Yeah. Who hasn't seen that
4: one? You got to go back and watch the Margarita one, Sebastian. That was the the great Paul Williams. The Margarita was so scary, and Paul Williams went mm-hmm. out there and just dominated him from start to finish. The The Martinez one, I was at that one in Atlantic City. That didn't go so well for, for
1: Yeah, Paul. definitely not.
4: Paul <laughs> that night. Um, So you're 24 years old now. When did your kind of first growth spurt really start?
1: Um, I think 13, I was like five, 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 six. And then all of a sudden I grew up to like six, six feet.
4: Were you an athlete at that point? I mean, I know your parents were boxers. It runs in the family, but were you playing other sports around then?
1: No, only boxing. I was, uh, I was only doing boxing this whole time. So it was cool. It was pretty cool. Telling and everybody else told the teachers already. So, <laughs> you know, when they would, when I would get in trouble, they would probably look up to me and, and, and nag me from. That way.
4: <laughs> you. But you must have had a basketball coach come up to you and be like, let's go, let's play. Of course.
1: Every school. Every school I went to, middle school, um, high school, they always, always told me. So, uh, But, you know, I, I never really cared for the sport. So
4: you know, so you never even wanted to try it, never even wanted to go in that direction?
1: Nah, not really. No, I can't even dribble basketball. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so what was it about boxing then? I mean, was it just that... Your your father did it. Your mother did it. Obviously, your siblings are involved in it. Was it just that it's the family business?
1: Well, I saw that they're having fun with it. They're having fun with it, and I was like, "Well, I want to try. I want to do something fun as well." So it's uh that's how that's how it all started. You know, watching them do it, wanting to be like them, and, and you look up to them. You want to be with them as well. So uh, that's what came from it. You know, and then I started enjoying myself. I started winning. You know. Um, I, like, 13, 14, already knew I wanted to do it as a career. and um, But we just continued to do it, and, and and this is what came out of it.
4: How good were your parents in the boxing ranks?
1: Well, my mother only competed at amateur. Hmm. She, she had a couple fights amateur. Uh, she won every fight, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and then uh, um, my father, he got to the professionals, but then he had my, son, my, my older brother, so... Uh, that's uh, I think derailed a little bit his career, but mm-hmm. but he was also very talented from what I remember.
4: What your mother must love the way women's boxing's taking off now.
1: Yeah, uh, well I think that's only because of my sister. So <laughs> <laughs> my my sister's uh, uh, okay uh the new generation of, of, of female fighters that 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 are are starting young as well and and, and not saying taking the sport seriously, but but like they're really. They really want to to push the the female agenda in boxing and let them fight on these bigger outfits and, and and make more more names for themselves, you know. So did your did your parents want you
4: to be in boxing? Because a lot of boxers don't want their kids to be involved because they know how hard it is, how hard that road is to get to the top.
1: No, I, I don't think they ever had a problem with that. You know, it's, it's, again, it's a it's like a family affair. Everybody's doing it. Why not do it yourself? You know, why not try it out? They're more of like, try it out if you like it. If you don't like it, you know, it's up to you. Mm-hmm.
4: The, um, you mentioned like you said you're around 13 and 0 at that point or 13 years old, 40, whatever. When did you start to realize?
1: 13, yeah, I was 13 years old mm-hmm. when I realized I want to become professional. Well, at 13, how long? Yeah, like five. I had five years into boxing already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're doing good. We're doing good, and and, and we're getting better. We're always improving with with every year. And, and I was like, well, if this continues, you know, why not make some money out of it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's something I love already. You know, so it's like when you're a little kid, and 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 say you love dinosaurs or whatever, you want to be a paleontologist later on because it's like, hey, I love this, and I'm gonna get paid for it. Why not?
4: <laughs> did um did something happen? Did you? I don't know, win a tournament that gave you that kind of confidence boost? Was it a string of wins? What was it that kind of triggered that feeling in you that you could do this, you know, full time?
1: Yeah, just like a string of wins probably. Continuing to win, continuing to get better. Uh, We are getting stronger. We are getting taller. All these things, all these uh, nice little advantages that we are getting to as well. So it's just, uh, uh, you know, we we had a lot of fans and amateurs as well. So it's like to to bring it to professionals, like this is probably going to be a not that it's easy, but like it's gonna be a little bit more easier than than usual, you know. When you're
4: fighting at at a weight class where you're so much taller than almost all or all of your opponents, like what's the key to being successful? Is it having superior footwork? Is it operating behind, you know, that eighty inch reach of yours? What's the key to being successful with with that kind of height advantage?
1: I think uh, well, it depends on how you're gonna fight. Depends on how you fight. Um, I do use my reach, but a lot of times I'm in the I'm in the mix and inside. It's just how being confident in, in what you're doing, you know, whether it's the inside or the outside. Mm. What's is there
4: a particularly difficult type of fighter or opponent that you know when you have that kind of height, it's just difficult to fight against? Whether it's a much smaller guy or a nimble guy, or
1: what's what's the most difficult kind of opponent for you? Um. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a, a, a difficult opponent. It's just how I'm going to fight that fight. Uh, how am I? What style am I going to use to win that fight?
4: For you, what's what's happened for you the last few years? Because I watched you coming up the pro ranks. I remember watching the draw that you had back in 2019. You were obviously good, but you know after watching that fight and some fights before, like I don't know where this guy is going to go. And then in the last year or so. You know, you've showcased incredible power. That win over Ericsson Lubin was as impressive as they get. One of the best fights uh, that we've seen in the year. Like, what's changed for you the last couple of years, if anything?
1: We matured. We we're still 20 years old when we fought Clark. You know, I still think I won that fight, of course, but we were still young. You know, a lot of, a lot of these kids that fight at 20 years old, they're, they're still fighting people 0 and 3 or 1 and 3, barely having any fights, barely fighting. Uh, a six rounder and we were already fighting a 10 rounder. So we're growing. We're maturing more. We're an hour 25. We're ready to fight for a title. Um Everything's lining up now.
4: You mentioned your sister is a pro boxer. She's fighting on this card as well. Uh Do you like that? Does it give you something else to worry about? How do you feel about having your sister fight on your card?
1: I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, she works every camp with me. You know, she's working just as hard. So, her to have this platform to fight on it it's something she deserves uh
4: how does it work there do you watch her fight beforehand do you have to focus on yours how is that going to work for you
1: i could do both i could do both (laughs) of course i want to see it i want to see her fight it's like watching a good movie and then not seeing the ending (laughs) i have to see the ending
4: (laughs) i can understand that i think it'd be impossible to uh to, to not watch at that point. Um, You are the interim title holder at 154, the WBC belt. Obviously, Jamel Charlo has all the titles at 154. Do you, I mean, do you think he's ever going to fight you? Or are you anticipating fighting for a vacant belt someday? Will you wait for a world title shot or go up to 160? What's kind of your plan over the next year?
1: Well, we'll see what he does after this fight, but hopefully we do get to fight with him, you know? Um But I'm not him because there's the business part of boxing. Um, But we do want to fight him because he's right now he's considered the best one hundred and fifty-four, and I like to have that title for myself. If you were
4: him, would you fight him? Would you fight you? I should say.
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you know, know, uh, a six-foot-six guy's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy in the weight class. But you know, uh, with my mentality, yeah, I, I, I like to fight everybody.
4: Mm. All right, Sebastian, I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions for a new segment on the show that we are calling the standing eight count. And the first question is the greatest fighter of all time is who?
1: Oh, Mayweather. Mayweather's always gonna be the best.
4: Um, the one in-ring weapon that another fighter has that you wish you had in your arsenal. Deontay
1: Wilder's right hand. <laughs>
4: tell you what if you had wilder's right hand at junior middleweight nobody would ever want to fight you'd you have to force everybody no, oh no <laughs> uh, if you could fight anyone from a previous generation who would it be
1: um a lot of people um like to compare me to tommy hearns i think that would be a great fight oh man that's a great
4: answer you and tommy hearns at 154 would be unbelievable um when your career is over you will have won titles in how many weight classes
1: um, we'll see how much, uh, um, God will let me move up. You know, maybe I'll never move this way class. I'll have the same problem as Sergio. So, you know, we'll see.
5: <laughs> Sergio.
4: Sergio's out there trying to fight Jake Paul. So don't try to be like Sergio. Okay. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. um, prime Andre Ward versus prime Canelo Alvarez. Who wins?
1: Um, I have Underwood. Ward. Andre Ward's very, very smart. Yeah,
4: great defense too. That's what makes him so tough too. Oh, yeah, uh, to definitely be. definitely, Uh If you could fight in one arena anywhere, where would it be?
1: Um, I've been fighting in my dream arenas already, so I'll probably fight in Staples again. Mm. You know, Southern like California. Staples. California, I love California.
4: All right, last two. The best part of being six foot six is what?
1: Um. I don't know. I I can see everybody's top of their heads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: the worst part of being six foot six is what?
1: Sometimes I don't fit in doorways. <laughs> <laughs> I, would,
4: I would have thought airplanes. I mean, I'm six three and I hate flying airplanes.
1: That, that's equally as bad. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. That's equally as bad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, Sebastian, good to talk to you, man. Good luck on October eighth, and uh, hopefully, 2023 is when we see you in those world title fights you're looking for. Good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Sebastian Fedora for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when this thought hits you. Okay, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can hop into my all-new
1: Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, The whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call
4: 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024
1: Santa Fe, available early 2024.